This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Empire. Isn't it time the streams caught up with real life? And hundreds are complaining about the delays in the stream and the buffering and why am I why am I waiting so long for my stream to, you know to happen and et cetera, et cetera. So this, this is growing and I think we're at a point now where, you know, enough is enough. That's Jed Korenthal, Chief Marketing Officer at Phoenix, who continues to scream from the rooftops. Your streams are too far behind and everyone knows it. This is the Future Sport Podcast. I'm Bram Weinstein. You really can't have an honest conversation about ratings anymore because how viewers watch things, that runs an expansive gamut. Bottom line is though that the Super Bowl had its typical gargantuan metrics of engagement. However, people decided to produce their modern parties. Streaming is here, it's growing, and of course, likely will be the option of choice for the majority of viewers at some point, which is why Jed Korensal can't believe the Super Bowl isn't up to real-time speed. Our guest this week is a repeat guest, Jed Korenthal, who is the chief marketing officer at Phoenix, which is a company that offers real-time video streaming solutions with a half second of latency. Hey, Jed, how are you? Great to talk to you. Great to be back, Bram. So we wanted to catch up with you right after the Super Bowl, biggest television event, biggest streaming event on earth and specifically in the United States. How are we doing with streaming? How's it going with the Super Bowl these days? (laughs) Um, Pardon my chuckle here. Um, So, you know, so we've done this. This is the fourth year that we've done a latency comparison between the stream that we produce and the last couple of years we've been doing it for Verizon um, and their their mobile devices, 5G mobile devices. Um, And we compare that to, you know, all of the platforms that are streaming the game, Peacock, NBC, the NFL, Hulu, Yahoo, DirecTV, Stream, et cetera. And unfortunately, for the fourth year in a row, nothing's changed. Everybody is still in the 40, 50 second range for delay behind the field of play, which is just, you know, in our mind, just it's unacceptable. It's not tolerable. And and what's interesting is for the first time, um, we're now starting to see fans agree and, and go to social media and I mean, in droves, I mean, in hundreds are complaining about the delays in the stream and the buffering. And why am I, why am I waiting so long for my stream to, to you know, to happen and et cetera, et cetera. So, um, you know, this is, this is growing. And I think we're at a point now where, you know, enough is enough. Somebody, somebody needs to step out and, and be a leader and say, look, you know what? I mean, we can change this and, and create a better experience. Um, and potentially drive more engagement, which would lead to more revenue. So um, the solution's there. 
And because the Super Bowl rights move and are moved around and rotate through the networks, this is everyone, right? We're, this isn't just an NBC thing from the other day. This is everybody, correct? It is everybody. It's, well, it's everybody because broadcasters are using technology uh, based on the same streaming protocol, which is, which, is, which is known as HLS, which stands for HTTP Live Streaming. It's, a, it's an Apple-based product that was developed about, I don't know, 17, 18 years ago, which interestingly was not developed for video. It was really developed to move storage around, you know, large amounts of storage. Um, but it's sort of pressed into, it was pressed into the streaming video. Um, and, and you know, it, it, what it does well is it allows these broadcasters to stream to a large audience. Um, last year, uh, I, I can't remember who streamed the game. I think it was CBS. And they had 5.7 million streamers. Um, this year, NBC, I suspect, will have more than that. And so, you know, they're able to do that with, with that technology. The problem is that, you know, it comes with, with two forms of what I, sort of two forms, what I would call latency. One is the obvious, which is what we're talking about, the latency from the field of play to your device, which is 40, 50 seconds. But then there's another equally as important um, aspect, and that is what's referred to um, as drift or the amount of time that you know, you and I are different from our streams. In other words, you know, you may be 40 seconds behind. I may be 80 seconds behind. Mm. So the amount of time between the two of us is significant. So, you know, if I, if I text you or if I'm watching, you know, if I'm on social media, you know, tweeting friends and checking out Twitter and whatnot, you know, I'm going to see a spoiler. I'm going to see, you know, someone who's, who saw the play, you know, the, the Cooper Cup touchdown at the end before I did and ruined it for me. So it's just, it's not good. And, and, you know, fortunately, you know, what we've built is, is on a different protocol, which was built primarily for video conferencing, but we built it to scale. So we can take that same 5.7 million that CBS did last year or seven or 8 million or whatever NBC has done this year and stream it to the same amount that they are. Only we can stream it to a half with a half second of latency, so people are watching it at the same time as you are on the, you know, if you were in the stadium. So <laughs> the solution's there, and it's just it's time to change. Well, let me ask you a broad question then. Like, why do you think this happened? Was it because if you're watching it on something without social media, you wouldn't even know that you're delayed? But it's because of social media that everyone now knows that they are missing things. Like what? It feels like this is a gap that should have been closed a long time ago. They just decided not to close it. it would, is that the best way to put this? Well, yeah. I mean, I don't know if they've decided not to close it. I mean, you know, in their defense, they've spent a lot of money on building a tech stack, and and they've got you know, you know human resources that are that are looking after the technology, and they've hired a lot of people, and they have a, a you know a number of of partners that have helped build you know the excuse me, the technology for them. So they've got a lot invested in what they have. Um, and to your point, what's changed over the last couple of years is social media has exploded. And now, you know, you've got people that are playing fantasy and you've got people that are tweeting and texting and getting push notifications on a regular basis just for any game, really, not just, you know, the Super Bowl, any game. And NBA, NBA, it doesn't matter what the sport is. People are, you know, chatting and texting and 
getting notifications and getting their ESPN or the score updates or who, you know wherever they get their updates from. And this is now becoming an issue because you now, I mean, if you're if you're streaming a game, you basically can't have your phone next to you because it'll just blow up and ruin you know ruin the experience. You'll be you'll be hearing about plays before you see them. So, so yes, I think social media has had a big aspect of it. But I also think that just generally people are interacting more, you know, with not only the content, but with each other. So I think that the combination of the, of all of those things is kind of coming to a head. And I, and I think it's, it's time for the broadcasters to start saying, okay, well, wh- what do I need to do? And, and if I, if I change, you know, how is this going to move my bottom line? Because that's what they're after and, and understandably so. But we believe that by changing to real time, you're going to drive more engagement. You're going to have people, you know, watch for longer, which means more eyeballs on your advertising, more eyeballs on your sponsorships. And if you start talking about, you know, the holy grail of interactivity, which is betting, well, now you're starting to talk about people that are going to stay with the stream, even if the game's a blowout. So, um, you know, there are just too many reasons not to not to look at, you know, what can, what can be done to, to, to solve those issues. Yeah. I've been waiting to see when will gambling be generally incorporated into the broadcast. And if you watch the Super Bowl outside of the advertisements for, you know, gambling right. or fantasy providers, you're still not seeing it yet, but I think yet is the operative word here that it's coming. They're partnered. And I think to your point, if you're going to have in-game betting, um, there can't be a lag. Like that's that's a complete impossibility if you're going to do that. Right, right. I mean, if you're going to do in game, like true in game betting. I mean, you know, is like if you were watching the game, you know, and and just before that last play, you know, the last touchdown play happened. Did you want to bet on that play? Now, in some cases, you can micro bet you know companies like simple bet and some of the others out there are working with some of the books like trend and being able to allow certain micro bets on the data just based on the data but what we're talking about is being able to sync the data with video imagery and being able to watch that game and bet and you know and and you can really watch and bet while you're on the app so that's gonna you know we believe that's ultimately going to start happening on the broadcast Maybe, you know, will there be, will it be on the main broadcast or will there be sort of a secondary feed that NBC had last night or Sunday night, you know, that, uh, that invited people that were more interested in the gaming, uh, the gaming and the betting side to watch a secondary feed that's in real time that gives them the odds and gives them the ability to make bets. And, you know, their partner with points, uh, uh, points bet could happen right on, you know, the broadcast. So. I think that there's uh, those things are going to happen. I think we probably need to get to a more national, you know, situation where we've got, let's say, 40 states that have some sort of, you know, 40 or more states that have some sort of uh, legislation for legalized sports betting. We're not quite there yet. Yeah. Um, where I think 33 was the last count I saw with, you know, plus BC, um, with about 20 or 21 or 22 that have mobile. So I think once we get a little bit more, um, you know, in the 40 range, then, you know, you're talking about, I think we're at like something like 130 or 150 million adults can bet legally now. Once we get to, you know, 200 million or 220 or something like that, or whatever the, you know, whatever the majority is, 
um, that's when I that's when I start to, that's when I think we'll start to see a little bit more integration in the broadcast and then starting to think about you know how do we really really take this betting side to the you know to the next level let's talk about the tech a little bit mm-hmm. how have you solved the issue what can you kind of explain what what's happened here yeah I mean the, the truth is the way the video is broken down and then reassembled is what takes so long you know traditionally you know you've got this, this protocol that I mentioned HLS you know you, you break down the video um, you you uh, you use a, what's known as a content delivery network companies like Akamai and Limelight and Fastly and you know some of the others that are out there are part of the entire workflow from when the signal is acquired <clears throat> excuse me when the signal is acquired to all the way until the user sees it on whatever device they're streaming it on and that takes time the way the video is broken up into chunks and that takes time um, you know there there has been some improvements and you know you can get that stream down uh, to maybe 20 seconds give or take but once you start scaling to a big number it's it's starting you know we, we've yet to really see that number come down when the, you know when the numbers go up so um, so what what we do is we use as I mentioned WebRTC which stands for web real-time communication which was an open source project um, coming from Google about eight years ago, designed for Google Chat or Google Hang. And it was, it's a video conferencing tool. And pretty much all of the video conferencing tools that are out there now that you know, people have become so accustomed to use because of the pandemic, Teams and Hangouts and FaceTime, et cetera, are using some form of, of WebRTC to stream and to have video calls um, you know, in real time, which is what's happening. <clears throat> the problem with it off the shelf, if you will, is that it wasn't built to scale. That that video conference that you know you and I would have, let's say, you know, we can't invite 200,000 people to right. it, or we just start degrading. So we um, we took a step and and kind of reverse engineered the protocol. And you know, imagine taking the engine from a car and then rebuilding it from the ground up. And that's exactly what we did. So when we stream, on the other end, it looks like WebRTC um, because it's a standard and we don't want anybody to have to download anything or use a client or anything like that. And it's, you know, it's compatible with all the browsers. So it's, it's a standard and it's, it, is the, it is the language of real time. Um, but what we did is we rebuilt it so it would scale from day one. So we have, you know, we have some proprietary tech. We've got a bunch of patents um, that enable us to you know, enable people, broadcasters, betting companies, you know, whoever, to stream their content to, an, you know, essentially an unlimited number of users while maintaining a half second of latency. And, without, and that's, you know, and that's what we are able to do. And without affecting the quality of the video, because obviously Correct. the quality, quality of the video that, the yeah, yeah, the yep. quality of the video that you and I are going to do on a Zoom chat is very different than what NBC is going to put together for a Super Bowl or any of that matter. Well, yes, but the truth is that, you know, well, there's a couple things. One, I mean, 4K hasn't been yet adopted by the browsers. So even if we wanted to stream it in 4K, the browsers don't do it. So they will, and that will happen soon. Um, so the highest quality you can get on a mobile device, we can stream it in, basically. So, you know, or a laptop or a connected TV or whatnot. So you're going to watch the game in, in high quality. 
we, we don't sacrifice the quality just because we're trying to stream it in, in a half a second. That it's not you can't you don't need one for the you don't have to sacrifice one for the other. Okay. Some maybe some others haven't figured that out yet, um, but we have. So we've been able to uh, maintain that high quality while continuing to keep the stream latency down. And also, you know, something, you know, we talked about before with Drift, you know, being able to synchronize the stream across everyone's device so everybody watches at the same time, you know, maybe as important, if not more important. What do you think happens from here? Um, you obviously have been preaching a cause here, and I, I think you're preaching to a choir. Everybody who has modern devices wants everything in real time. Um, when do you think that it's going to change amongst the broadcasters who are producing all the major content that the people want? Well, I, I actually think this is the year because we've been in pretty high-level conversations with um, two different broadcasters at a streaming and one of the really huge streaming providers about changing and, and, and making this happen. So um, I think that we're, that we're going to, I think this is going to be the year that we start to see some, some significant change. And you and I both know that once one does it, then the chips will fall because you can't have one and then all the others sort of, you know, be behind. So, um, my, um, my, our CEO, Roy Reisbach, likes to say everybody wants to be first to be second. And, and I think that that's where we are. You know, there's some hesitancy to kind of step out and, and, and be the first one out there. But we've got one or two companies that we've been talking to that are not afraid to take that risk. And we, I mean, look, we don't believe it's a risk because we know our technology works. It works every day. We stream you know, several million streams a day to all our clients. So it's not something that's unproven. We do it every day. Um, but I think that from the broadcast standpoint, they, they, they will, I think this is going to be the year where we start to see some significant change. Jed Korthal is the chief. I also think, sorry to interrupt you. I also think we're going to see some change on the sportsbook side. I think more and more sportsbooks are going to start acquiring rights yeah. to video. Huh. And we're going to start to see more of a watch and bet experience rather than a bet and watch meaning you place your bet and then you watch the game on some you know other device i think we're going to move to you know uh, 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 on the app itself on the sports book itself you're going to be able to watch a game and bet continuously while it's going on in in play you know all the way through and i think <clears throat> i think this is the year we're going to start seeing that as well you think DraftKings, bet mgm someone like that's going to acquire rights mm-hmm I do. Um, we're starting to see it in a, in a small way now. Um, DraftKings has, has acquired rights to MLB games one game a day. I think we're going to see more of that. I do. I think some of the big ones are going to – I mean, if you think about it, how, how do they differentiate themselves? You know, right now they're all spending <clears throat> tens or hundreds of millions of dollars on marketing and – trying to get you to come to their sports book and they'll give you, you know, the first bet free or $500 of free bets or, you know, whatever, whatever the promotion is that they're trying to, to sway you to come to their, their sports book. But the problem is they, you know, you get people and then they go to someone else and then they go to someone else. It's like a continuous cycle. So, you know, there's gotta be some ways that they differentiate. We believe real time is, is a significant one. And, 
video is another. And they kind of go hand in hand. So being able to acquire rights and stream that content in real time. So now people, they're able to take, think about how much, think about if you were watching that, you remember the Bills Chiefs game, the last like two minutes of that game, something like, what was it, like 25 points yeah. scored. Imagine yeah. if you're on your DraftKings or FanDuel or MGM, or we pick your, pick your sportsbook app, you're on that app watching that game. And you could bet on every single play that was happening. I mean, the amount of money that would have been generated by those sports books would have been just ungodly. I mean, and that's what, that's where we're going to be. Hmm. All right. I'll have a bet with you on that one, especially with the NFL. I'll have a bet with you on that one. I don't know if the NFL takes well, that not, leap you know, and gives them the exclusive. The right now, yeah. But I do think that there's going to be some packages. You know, a lot of the leagues have retained their betting rights in some manner, shape, or form, or, or, or are thinking about it, or trying to, or in their next deal will be more aggressive with their betting rights. So I, I don't think it's so far-fetched to think that Maybe not, you know, as a as a sole provider, but a package of games to go to the to a sports book, so you can watch and bet. I think is very legitimate. Yeah, I, I think I guess yeah. Ba- baseball dabbled with the idea of doing it with Barstool, which was that's what was going to happen to that broadcast, and they ended up not doing it. So you might be right about that. The NFL one, though. Ooh, I don't know. Uh, that'd be an interesting leap if they go that way. So we'll see. I'll have a bet with you on that. We'll we'll do this again next year. We'll see where we are with that. But you might be right yeah, about some of these uh, other sports. I'll, you know what? I'm 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 not a betting man, but I'm I'm willing to take that bet. Right. I think we're going to see some of the bigger leagues, um, and certainly some of the you know the sort of tier two, tier three leagues get be be more open to providing video rights to a sports bookers. All right, it's on. We'll do this again next year. We'll see where we land. It's on. <laughs> Jed Korenthal like is the uh, chief marketing officer of Phoenix. Thanks for joining us. My pleasure. Thanks for On the next Future Sport Podcast, investing in the next big thing. That's where this entrepreneur is at. We've had two through our accelerator at Locker and Esports Studio and Sports Media that are doing really well. Um, and, you know, related things like trading sports cards, NFTs, this is all really on the same umbrella. If you're someone who's a passionate sports fan and you want to get some you know, money behind your core beliefs, whether it's through playing fantasy or betting directly on the game or prop bets or buying sports cards or your favorite player that you think can go up in value or invest in the NFT of that athlete. You know, so we have owned the moment. That's Jordan Flegel, Managing Director of Techstar Sports Accelerator, which is looking at the entire evolving universe of sports and technology. That will do it for this episode. As always, the future is now. This is the Future Sport Podcast. I'm Bram Weinstein.